0: You need to be open because the journey and the process of developing a company, you're going to learn. And so you need to also be as I'm trying to teach athletes to be adaptable to change on a dynamic environment. So as a business person, you need to be adaptable to change and don't always be um, too headstrong uh, sometimes you know you are you have to be a little bit headstrong because you you, you sometimes a lot of people are not going to believe in you or what you're mm-hmm. doing in that manner you do but where where there listen to the advice of others and incorporate and, and, and take that where you feel it needs to be incorporated don't be too you know too closed uh, uh, in that in that in that regard. Mm-hmm.
1: Hey, everyone. This is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight-figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Salvador uh, LaDuca, and uh, Sal Salvatore or as he goes by Sal, um, during high school was geared towards the sciences, so his dad always wanted him to become a doctor, Um, but he he had a creative personality as well, and so he went into school or into college and went into pre-med for a couple years. After that, decided pre-med wasn't for him, so uh, transferred, switched colleges, uh, transferred majors or switched majors to economics and uh, decided uh, go into more business and, uh, had an opportunity to work uh, with his father, I think, during those years as well for a period of time. Um, went also got an MBA and then decided to go to law school. Um, came back to New York, passed the bar, and then went to work for a couple firms. Um, also worked with his dad on real estate for a period of time. Had a couple kids, or got married, I was going to say had a couple, or marriages, but I meant to say have a couple kids. Got married, had a couple <laughs> kids, um, never uh, got into sports, as, um, but as our dad was. Uh, or because his dad didn't see it as a career, um, but got into it more with his kids as they started to get into sports. And uh, so he had a kid that was recovering from cancer and uh, got back or got onto the, getting him back onto the baseball field, um, started to look into the human movements and kinesiology or kinesiology and, um, and went into the uh, idea of uh, motor, motor sports with hand-eye coordination. Some of the other things looked at robotics and had a a few companies that have uh, spawned from that. So with that much an introduction. Welcome on the podcast, Sal. Thank you, Devin. Great to be here. Absolutely. So now I just uh, took a much longer journey and unpacked it into a very short snippet. So let's unpack that a bit and tell us a bit of uh, how your journey got started uh, in high school as your dad wanted you to become a doctor.
0: Well, you know, um, it's really funny as you were giving the intro, um, I, you know, uh, uh, a lot of times I say to people that, you know, in the moment when you're younger, you know, whether you're in high school or sometimes you're in college and you're not sure what it is that you wanna do. um, You know, life sometimes comes full circle. So the things that at the time you're learning and you're thinking, oh, like, when am I ever gonna use this? It comes back, it really does. So learning education is, is never, never, ever wasted, even if you feel at the time that it may not be pertinent or may not be useful at any point in your life, but it, it, it'll come back and you'll you'll be thankful that, or you might say, I should have listened more <laughs> in that math class, <laughs> or that science class, but yeah. So starting from, you know, as you mentioned, starting from high school, I was, you know, my father came here as in, you know, from Italy at a young age, um, he didn't have very much education. So education was really important to him. And so, um, you know, back then, concept of what was you know what what was what was a good education what were good jobs to strive for were you know becoming a doctor or a a scientist or you know any one of those uh type of 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 careers and so you know i went along with it (laughs) Mm. and um and so you know i i did well I, i was a good student i think when people talk about serial entrepreneurs these days i think i was a good serial student, uh, <laughs> <at the> time, <laughs> but in any event, um, so I was good in the sciences. I did like the sciences, but I didn't, you know, I, it was, it was, uh, at some point by my second year in college, I'm like, you know what? I don't think this is really for me. And so I sort of switched over to the next best thing, which was, which was business. Um, and, um, I, graduated from college with a, uh, an economics degree. Um, now, just started- one
1: one question on that before we get too far. So, I mean, because you started out, you went to pre-med for a couple of years before switching over to economics and business. Kind of what was it after those couple of years that you just figured out that it wasn't for you? Is it just hey, I don't enjoy the classes or I just can't envision myself doing this or I hate the sight of blood or kind of what was it that kind of decided, OK, I need to shift gears to to pursue something that I that I'll, you know, hopefully more enjoy throughout my career.
0: Well, you know, I just I, I, you know, one day I'm like I'm just thinking in terms of, you know, I, that was a phase in your life where you start to really, you know, as you're in the middle of college and now you're you're sort of in that in that transition phase where you're no longer a kid anymore. And you got to start thinking about like, what am I going to do with my life when I get out of college or what's the roadmap here? And since I, 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 just, I, I like, I, I don't see myself as a doctor. And so I better switch gears now before I finish college. And so, um, and, and at least begin that roadmap, so to speak, because um, if I continue this way, I'm, I'm, I'm wasting my dad's money. I'm wasting my time. And so I'm not making the best use of, you know, of what I'm doing at this point, especially when you're, when you're not really sure what you want to do, but you know, that this is not what I want to do. And I better change some gears. So business uh, economics and, and, a, and a business background, I thought was the better option because it, it gives you enough of a base and a foundation where, you know, you can go to any field sort of you want, as long as you have that good business background.
1: Mm. No, and I think that makes sense. And so, you know, and it's always one of those where I, I, first of all, I think that, you know, education generally, even if it's one where you may not anticipate, you know, being or using it later on or as air shift, I think it, you always use, use that as a, a leverage for whatever you do you throughout your career now. So you, you decided to switch, you went over to economics, got into business, um, and as you're graduating, I believe you mentioned that some during some of the school years you worked with your dad. And before deciding to go do an MBA as well as getting a law degree, is that right?
0: Well, at one point, once I graduated school, um, I started. Uh, I started working. My father always wanted me to work with him, but I, I really wanted to sort of venture out and, you know, learn what what's going on out in the real world because when you're when you're working for your family you're still sort of like in a little cocoon and um, in any event um, I think if if you grow up in a family business, I think it's always best to mm. work outside of that business so that you understand the working world you know that's that's sometimes more reality than your your family business, but if you want to go back, I, that's fine. Uh, but I think at the beginning, it's, it's a, always a good idea. So I worked for, um, I worked for some financial firms for a couple of years while I was doing that. I said, let me get my MBA, uh, my MBA degree. And so I did that part-time and, um, um, and while I was working, you know, for other, uh, Uh, other financial firms at the time I was working for Dean Witter Reynolds down at the world trade center, uh, in commodities. So, you know, I sort of gotten my start to get my feet wet there. Um, Mm. so once I finished, um, my MBA, my dad was again, Oh, why don't you, you know, come (laughs) work with the family. And so I thought it was like, um, Um, there's that line in, in, in the Godfather, where he goes, every time I try to get
1: out, they they pull me (laughs) back in. in.
0: (laughs) So, so, and I, I, you know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to have a, um, this thing over my head where, you know, this, I I wanted to have an, apart from the fact that I always probably knew that I'd be working for my dad, working with my dad, I I wanted to have, I wanted to have a piece of paper. I wanted to be uh, sort of independent in in that sense. So the next best thing from being a doctor was, let me be, let me go to law school. (laughs) So um, I went to law school. um, I came back to New York and uh, uh, passed my bar. And I worked for a couple of law firms for a few years, for a couple of years. And then again, you know, there was, again, that thing, like my dad, like, let, you know, come back. So in any event, I did, I did go back and working with him because at that time we were, I, you know, I had always been working with my dad because we were in, in the, in the food business and then we started branching out into real estate and real estate development. And so, um, you know, while there was a lot of legal stuff that I was working with my dad uh, initially, you know, after a while, it was just, it, it felt like a natural, a natural, you know, continuation. And so, um, you know, we started in the real estate business, and then over time, we started working on. Um, uh, we opened up our first hotel in 2000 on uh, the Broadway Plaza Hotel, and then um, we just continued on on that on that trajectory of real estate and hotel and hotel management. And so, um, you know, so that was the course uh, Mm -hmm. that, that, that took me on that road.
1: So now you say, okay, so you go get all your degrees, Family keeps pulling you back in, and then in the meantime, I think you also mentioned you got married and had a couple kids. And as you're yes. having those couple kids, you know, as those kids are now growing up, you hadn't really ever gotten into sports, but the kids started to, and you started started to um, support them in their sports, and that kind of set your trajectory on a bit of a different path, which is kind of more what you're doing today. So, how did that take place, or how that, or how did that occur?
0: So, um, so I have two sons, and you know, initially. I I recognize the benefit of sports, even though I didn't play sports. um, I I recognize the benefits, you know, from, from many different levels. And so I always my encourage kids, you know, I had them in, in, in baseball and basketball and, you know, Taekwondo and the whole big thing. Um, And I really wanted, I had my kids taking tennis lessons at a very young age as I, I never played tennis, but I loved the sport. I loved watching it. And I thought tennis was the one sport that really pushed you to your limits from a mental, physical, and emotional side out of all of the sports. Um, and, um, um, and so, but for some reason, you know, they, they, were, they were pretty good, but they, they just gravitated towards baseball. And so I think they liked the, the team sports rather than you know tennis which is pretty much you know you're you're relying on on yourself
1: Mm.
0: so in in any event uh my oldest son peter was it was a great baseball player he uh had high baseball iq he understood this game uh because he was hearing impaired his visuals were heightened and so he, he was looking he was looking at movement in this sport and so he's able to pick up the nuances um, uh, of players and, 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 and anticipating what they were going to do. And so he became a, he was a very, very good, good ball player. Um, and so unfortunately at the time when he was 12 years old, he um, was diagnosed with a, a rare form of childhood cancer, uh, which thankfully at the time, and still today, uh, it was a non-Hodgkin's form of lymphoma. And mm. um, there was a protocol that had a very, very high rate, almost like an 85, 90% 90 recovery, uh, fully curable uh, rate for for children. And so in any event, uh, thankfully he was, uh, uh, he he did recover and he was fully cured, but you know, that was after like six rounds of chemo and he had some surgery. So in any event, he he was just, uh, uh, he, he was at a point where You know, it took a while to recover, but along those lines all throughout that period, you know, and, and actually his, his protocols and the times that he was taking the chemo, everything was going like, like, like clockwork. It was like, he was strong. It was like, you know, it was to the book. And so, uh, the whole time he was like, dad, I got to get back on the field. I got to get back on the field. And then once he was at a point to recover, you know, I'm looking at this kid and he's, just, you know, he's skinny, he's scoring. I'm like, Peter, I don't know if this is going to be, you know, and he's like, no, I got to get back. And so in any event, as any father, you know, at that point, you know, what are you going to do? You, you do your best to try and help your son recover. So in any event, um, I started looking at I started looking at human movement in sports and um, and I'm looking at it through a, a different window, so to speak and i'm i'm looking at what what appears to be especially those type of sports that use a dominant or predominant side both in practice and in the sport you know like i mean forget about switch hitters but hitters and pitchers and football quarterbacks and football kickers and golfers tennis players so uh, recognizing you know that most have a dominant side or a predominant side that they're using over time And the way they practice in the terms of repetition, I just, I thought that this was kind of, uh, it it didn't make sense to me, like how sports is a very dynamic system of movement and you have to be prepared for anything. And so the practice is sort of very static in nature. It's repetition doing things a million times and, Mm. and, and one-sided training, which, which creates asymmetrical you know, adaptations uh, for the body. And so sometimes those asymmetrical adaptations um, can can create injury. And so in any event, um, uh, that's how my company RoboSport was born. And we started with a a developing and patenting a a robotic batting tee, which um, prevents you from hitting the ball in the same consecutive spot. And so it now turns from you know, it, it flips the paradigm from repetition to randomization. And number two, we encourage utilizing both sides of your body. So if you're a right-handed batter and you finish on your right side, we want you to go to your left, uh, not to make you a switch hitter, but to make you a better right-handed pitch, uh, hitter because now we're opening up the other side of your brain and hopefully that creates better communication between the brain within the brain and between the brain and the body.
1: Hmm. No, that's awesome. So now as you're doing that, you've got, you know, a difference between, you know, you're doing the robotics, you're building Mm -hmm. that up, you're, uh, you know, improving that. Now as you try and now build a business around that and, you know, not only create the product, but create the everything else, um, you know, as you're, as you're going through that, how did you, how is it building a business around that? Or, you know, what was it, what was it like? So, well,
0: first of all, the process <clears throat> that got me, you know, I'll go back now to the, you know, to my high school days and to my college days and all of that science, all of that science knowledge that I had and how science works and how, you know, the scientific method that really came in handy now, because I'm able to read the science that's already out there on studies that have been done on randomization in other fields and, and opposite side training. And so I'm able to sort of now understand and, and read those, those articles in those peer reviewed journals. Um, <clears throat> number two, I recognized that we needed to do some studies. And so I was very fortunate to meet Dr. Jacob Wilson, who is a CEO of the uh, Applied Science and Performance Institute in Tampa. They got a huge facility. They work with all levels of athletes and, um, and they have equipment there that's just crazy. And in any event, I asked him, we needed to do some studies in combining both, you know, the opposite side training with the randomization. So the science background helped me to, uh, try to now understand what we're trying to do here with respect to connecting neuromotor uh, connections. So, I don't have to be a neurologist. I don't have to be a neuromotor expert, but I'm, I'm able, I, I think, because of the way I researched it, um, I, I think I could hang with any one of those neuromotor scientists and have a, an intelligent conversation with them as well. So, that came in handy. And I think then. From the business side, you know the business aspect of putting a business together, you know, in real estate and hotel and and in, in in general, helped me to structure structure a business now in sports training technology, so to speak, and so that that again came in handy. So I was talking about it all sort of came in full circle. The only thing is, is that. You know, I'm I'm entering into a into a field where I'm not you know, there are a lot of nuances in the technology world that I'm not familiar with. You know, when I first started talking to people about about the business and this concept, you know, the first thing was trying to make them understand the concept because they're just not familiar with certain scientific concepts that this is is trying to create and number two when you're talking about the business they're like okay what's your exit strategy and i'm like what are you talking about i'm not exiting anything i'm trying to get a a a company off the ground and you're talking about an exit so you know there's things about about the industry the technology industry itself and startup the startup industry which i was not familiar with which i had to sort of you know, familiarize and learn as well.
1: No, makes sense. So now as you've had, and I think you've built a, a few companies or spun off or I kind of pursue different things, but give everybody kind of an idea, kind of where is everything at today as far as the companies, you know, is it things are out in the marketplace, people can purchase things, you're, this is for professionals, kind of where the, where's the business at and how's it gone?
0: So with RoboSport technologies, what happened is, is that, you know, as we, as we, as you go through this process, and I think, you know, when you start to, um, you know, open up some doors that, or you start to peer through windows that no one's looked at before, you're like, wow, this whole new methodology now opens up a whole new, a whole new way of training. And now you're like, wow, it, it creates new products, so to speak, that were never created before because you, you, you know, you, you, you are looking at through a whole new way of looking at sports training. And so um, what I did was I started patenting, you know, things that we could utilize in wearable technology and augmented reality. And I, I spent some time, you know, we have over 10 patents that are approved in the U S that covers all of that. And, a couple now that we decided to f- uh, file application are pending in Japan. So I wanted to secure the space as best I could um, before actually creating the technology. So with the Robotic T, which is our launch product, you know, um, we we built a prototype and uh, right now we're, we're, we're looking for funding uh, to uh, develop the, I guess the 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 end a fully engineered product for manufacture, and so uh, we started a social media campaign uh, to get people interested and in, and in, and and hopefully, uh, you know, create some demand generation to show that there is some demand for the product, you know, for investors um, to come in. So with respect to what happened is is that as I'm looking at at athletes and I think they understand the randomization. It, it, you know high-level athletes I, I think are very and athletes in general they're very uh, resistant to like why am I going to work my opposite side I'm not going to use it but they're looking at it from a motor muscular perspective but they're not looking at it from a neurological perspective is that when you go to your opposite side you're opening up the other side of your brain and and what that does is that connects to more muscle and muscle fiber so that when you go back to your dominant side, you know, you'll, your, your, your motion will be more accurate and precise, but in any event, given that it was very difficult, I also recognize that these athletes, you know, when they're working with their trainers or they're working in the gym, they're utilizing, they're trying to uh, compensate for the one-sided training by just training unilaterally on the opposite side. But the problem with that is is that it it gets negated when you go back to your practice. And so in any event, I I stumbled onto this concept of offset loading, which is working uh, in a bilateral way, um, you know, different weights on on each side. So what happens is is that it's it's, um, forcing the weaker side to work harder than the stronger side and additionally, it's uh, it's um, it's utilizing stabilizing muscle groups with a different pathways in the brain. And in any event, I think it's a more efficient way of, of working out and keeping your body uh, symmetrical and and as an injury prevention mechanism. So we filed some more patents on 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 different uh, on new types of of weight resistance machines that now would be incorporated with software sort of like a virtual trainer that would incorporate offset loading practice with awesome. your traditional side so
1: no I think it sounds like a lot of uh, or fun and ongoing innovation a lot of things that uh, you guys are uh, breaking ground on so that's uh, definitely exciting so Well, with that, now, as we kind of uh, catch up to the present day of your journey, and uh, and it's always a great time to transition to the two questions I always ask at the end of each episode. Um, So we'll jump to those now. The first question I always ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? What did you learn from it?
0: Um, I think, you know, when I started out trying to um, find a company that would work with me to help me develop this product, concept of this robotic tea that I had in my head. And I think, I think what I did incorrectly was I started going out to robotics companies. And so a lot of these robotic, cause I thought, you know, it's sort of like a robot. So why can't I, you know, let me reach out to a robotics company that maybe can help me engineer this product. And I think that was a mistake because robotics companies, you know, even till this day, sometimes are, are focused on more industrial robots, you know, for, um, mm. for assembly lines and, you know, telerobots and stuff that's actually needed, but um, not for consumer products. And so it wasn't until I found a company out in California that is a product, Consumer product development company that just also works with robotics, and so I spent a lot of time searching robotics companies, and I uh, did some early prototypes, which you know were not what I had uh, was anticipating. But I think was it a huge blunder? No, but I, I wish I would have started with the with the products development, consumer products development company because it would have probably saved me a lot of time and money and energy, uh, but in any event, everything is a, is an experience. So,
1: you no, know. And it, it's always interesting, you know, when you start out with the business, you think, oh, here's my perfect customer, my target consumer, the people I'm gonna go out and sell to. And sometimes you hit that right on and other times you find out, hey they aren't my you know they aren't my target audience or they're not they're going to be the ones that are going to be receptive but the, this other audience over here fits much better and you know much more in line with what we're doing so it's always kind of one of those where sometimes you have to make those mistakes of who isn't your audience to find out who it is so i think that's a great uh, great mistake to learn from and one that definitely is easy to make second question i always ask is now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business what would be the one piece of advice you should give them
0: Well, if you're, you know, whatever product you're creating, whether it's software or hardware, or, um, I I think it's important to try to, um, develop that prototype, develop that early prototype as quickly as you can. And, and I, I, uh, cause I think at the beginning, while that's where my focus was, I was spending a lot, I was spending money on, you know, um, um marketing validation studies and a lot of other things that could have waited. Um, but um, I, I think if I had spent the money more on trying to just develop that prototype, that early prototype and not worry about, you know, the website or a lot of other things that I would have used, utilized the money more, more efficiently. And um, you know, but I, I don't try to do too much at once. And I think the second thing is uh, what you just mentioned. You need to be open because the journey and the process of developing a company, you're going to learn. And so you need to also be as I'm trying to teach athletes to be adaptable to change on a dynamic environment. So as a business person, you need to be adaptable to change and don't always be um, too headstrong, uh, sometimes, you know, you are, you have to be a little bit headstrong because you, you, you sometimes a lot of people are not going to believe in you or what you're mm-hmm. doing in that manner you do, but where, where there, listen to the advice of others and incorporate and, and, and take that where you feel it needs to be incorporated. Don't be too, you know, too closed, uh, uh, in that, in that, in that
1: regard. No, I think that that's definitely a great takeaway and a great piece of advice. So well, now as we kind of uh, wrap up the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an investor as you're uh, in closing your round and the continuing to, or that ongoing process, or they just want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more?
0: So um, you can reach me at sal at RoboSport Technologies dot com that's with two T's. Um, uh, we're on Instagram at Robosport Technologies. We're on Facebook, um, uh, and uh, you can you can go to our website at RobosportTechnologies dot com, and you can read about uh, you know our, our our upcoming product lines, our research. We have two articles that were uh, published in the Journal of Sport and Human Performance, so we have some legit science behind us. And, um, you know, you can find out more information there. You can contact us through our website and through Instagram as well.
1: Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, connect up and, uh, and support a great, uh, a great uh, mission. So... with that, thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun, it's been a pleasure. Um, Now, for all of you that are listeners that uh, would like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. A couple more things as listeners, make sure to click share, subscribe, leave us a review because we want to make sure that everyone finds out about all these awesome journeys. And last but not least, if you ever need help with your patents, your trademarks or anything else, your startup, your small business, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help. Well, thank you again, Sal, for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last.
0: Thank you, Devin, for having me and the best to you as well.